Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. A lot to talk about. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an explanation. We're later recording the show today. It's been a busy, busy, busy day, as you can imagine. Got up this morning about 6, after getting into bed around 2, and um, had to sign books at a Book Martin Cafe in downtown Starkville. Uh, and thanks to everybody that turned out. Man, what a great, great day. Uh, sold a ton of books. Uh, mostly uh, when the bottom falls, but uh, we sold a pretty good assortment of everything. And uh, fully stocked at Book Martin Cafe downtown with uh, your signed book. So if you're looking for a signed copy, uh, that's a good place uh, to start. And uh, the book will begin filtering itself out to uh, other bookstores around the great state of Mississippi. And if if you're not in Mississippi or perhaps uh, online shopping is for you, go to whenthebottomfalls.com and uh, you can get signed copies that way too. How about that? If you need them personalized, we can take care of that for you uh, as well. But also, um, you know, even though that I was uh, at a book signing, you know, when I took a break, I would check in on things. A lot of uh, a lot of rumors and speculation about the Mississippi State coaching search. And so uh, we put that information out too on Gene's page at uh, on the Two Four Seven Sports Network. Uh, also, big news too: Will Rogers enters the NCAA transfer portal. We'll have more on that tomorrow on Gene's page and uh, kind of explain some things. But um, you know, Will is already getting some Power Five sniffs, from what I understand. But uh, also has opportunities at Southern Miss and Western Kentucky. Both of those make perfect sense. Will Hall, of course, uh, you know, guy that's going to need a quarterback. Uh, they've got some younger guys there, but uh, Will Hall probably a guy that uh, needs to have a good year next year at Southern Miss. And Will Rogers has a younger brother, Luke Rogers, on the roster there. And so it makes good sense, you know, make it easy on the family. I'm a Will Rogers fan, and uh, I'm going to write some about that tomorrow. Uh, over Gene's page, but also Western Kentucky, former Mississippi State offensive staffer Drew Hollingshead is at Western Kentucky, and uh, they're going to run the true air raid there, so you can understand why that may be an attractive option uh, for Will Rogers. But, uh, yeah, there's some discussion that Washington is already in the mix with him. Of course, some people have mentioned Auburn. I don't know if that really works out uh, because the running component of that offense does not lend itself maybe to Will's uh, skill set. But, uh, yeah, don't be surprised if Will Rogers ends up somewhere that, you, that you're that you not expecting. Uh, Will Rogers is a very prolific passer, and I tell you this, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for Will Rogers. Had a chance to speak to him briefly after his media session last night. It was emotionally grueling. And, of course, he knew that he was going to be going into the portal. Uh, it's something that's been rumored for some time. It's not a big surprise to most. Uh, but I will say this. As, as happy as I am to be a Bulldog, uh, there are some things from time to time that I don't fully understand. And uh, the criticism of Will Rogers is one of those. Yes, Will Rogers is limited athletically compared to some other quarterbacks. But when you look at what he has done at Mississippi State, one of the most prolific passers in the history of the Southeastern Conference, I don't know that he gets enough respect. And by that same token, I don't know that Mike Leach gets enough respect for the job that he did with Will Rogers. He formulated a plan around Will's strengths, and did some big things. And there were times that, you know, things didn't work out. You know, and sometimes it was schematically. Sometimes it was execution. Uh, but I'm very grateful that Will Rogers came our way. 
and the things that he did to help move Mississippi State forward. I hope that you share in those same sentiments. We need Will Rogers to be a guy, you know, down the road that always identifies with Mississippi State. You know, I don't know that what, what chances Will Rogers has on a pro level. I don't know if he's got the size or the arm strength to, to make a go of it in the NFL. But uh, I know this, Will Rogers showed up last night, played exceptionally hard for Mississippi State, did his best to get us a win. We just came up short. And listen, the better team won. I mean, Ole Miss is a better team than us. And we talked about that for weeks on this show. Uh, there really is no surprise that Ole Miss wins the game. I think the game was much closer than many anticipated it being, especially some Ole Miss fans. I, I saw some of the social media commentary uh, leading up to the game, and I thought it was uh, really silly. Uh, and, and tip of the cap to Greg Knox and the Bulldog coaching staff for having our group ready to play. We played hard last night. We, we didn't play well, but we played hard. Uh, the effort level was there. But before we get into our breakdown of the show, I want to give a tip of the cap to all the Bulldog fans. It turned out it was a sellout crowd. We didn't have a capacity crowd. There were still some of the upper reaches of the uh, Davis Wade Stadium upper deck that didn't get filled out. But it was, without a doubt, the best atmosphere that we've had post-COVID, without any question. An incredible atmosphere. And as I wrote earlier today, I believe the Mississippi State fan base is at its best in times of crisis. You know, there are a lot of times we just want to huddle together. It's like, hey, let's forget our political leanings. Let's forget about our our opinions about social issues. Let's forget about all the other things in life that are so complicated and uh, unite under a maroon and white banner. And last night, Mississippi State showed up. And listen, I'm not a believer in moral victories by any stretch of the imagination. But in some respects, I think... Saturday, Thursday night was a win for Mississippi State. We didn't win on the scoreboard. But the support that you all showed this team and this coaching staff really speaks to the character of this fan base. There were a lot of people that said, you know, I could have just stayed at home. You know, I could have just spent some time with friends and family, maybe just had the little uh, you know, football party here at the house. But instead, you went out there and you braved the cold and you rang your cowbell, and you did your best. And special recognition to our student section, many of who had to come back. They went home for Thanksgiving, hustled back to be a part of that, and created an incredible atmosphere at Davis Wade Stadium. As I tweeted out last night, uh, that uh, I think the future of this fan base is in good hands. I really do. And I think it's okay to expect more. Uh, listen, you know, we got to be patient at times. And our new coach, we're going to have to be patient with him, whoever that proves to be. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show. But I think you all, the students and those fans that showed up, you gave Zach Selman something to sell last night. He's like, hey, look at us. You know, we're a 5-6 and six team playing against a top 15 team, a team that's better than us. And rather than stay home or have a half-filled venue, our, play, our people packed it out. And you begin to look at the progress we've made on the NIL side of things. And you say, you know, hey, this is a fan base that's eager to win. This is a fan base that's ready to lend its support to the future of Mississippi State football. So thank you for that. It was a very proud moment for me, and I had a chance to speak to uh, some of our new staffers, part of Zach Selman's administration postgame, and I shared that with them. Exactly the same sentiment that I'm sharing with you now. 
I said, you know what? You want to see Mississippi State at its best? You just saw it. And yes, we lost a football game. But more importantly, and listen, that's, that's a lot coming from me, right, with this golden egg thing. I'm obsessed about that whole thing. But it's one of my proudest moments that we've had in recent years as a fan base. Really, it goes back to the performance you guys put on in Omaha to go turn Omaha, Nebraska maroon. And so thank you for that, for each and every one of you. And for those that couldn't make it, we know that you were there with us in spirit. But Mississippi State showed really who we are last night in the battle for the Golden Egg. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I've been craving one of those pulled pork grilled cheese sandwiches. Uh, I don't know why that thing works so well, but it is absolutely delicious. And there are a lot of people that do the pulled pork grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know that anybody does it better than Bulldog Burger Company, for sure. Uh, We talk about the burgers. We talk about the great BLT salad. We talk about the spring rolls. But some days for lunch, that's exactly what I want is that pulled pork grilled cheese sandwich. Go by and check that out next time you're in town. And, yeah, of course, have the spring rolls. You know that before we even say it. Go have the spring rolls that make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go or that bread pudding to go. Again, I'm an advocate for dessert to go. You know, Sometimes you get home, you just want a palate cleanser, and there it is. It's great. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, Go by and enjoy yourself. Great food, great price, great atmosphere, and great service. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, Mississippi State wins a toss. We elect to receive. I I like the idea. I did. Because, you know, State on the, the, I guess, five games in a row – We've allowed points on the first defensive possession. And so we receive. Don't get much going here, but um, I thought it was the right move, especially with, uh, you know, Ole Miss likes to go fast. You know, it's like Ricky Bobby, right? Mom, I want to go fast. Uh, but they like getting up early, as everybody does, and they've been very good at that throughout the year, really since Lane Kiffin has been there. They have been a team that has done a good job putting pressure on teams in the first quarter. The first and ten, we give it to Woody, and he's immediately stacked up for a two-yard loss. Makes it second, 12, we're already off schedule. We throw out to uh, Freddie Robertson, and that's incomplete. Third and 12, uh, Cedric Johnson and Will Rogers face, and we're incomplete to uh, Jaquavius Marks. So a three and out for the Ole Miss defense. We get a 50-yard punt from Keelan Kremlin. That was a good start to the evening. There was some time we started trading punts, so we were losing ground. But a 50-yard punt here has Ole Miss setting up shop at the 27-yard line. Of course, they're going to try to establish the running game first. They've got one of the best running backs in the country in Quenchon Judkins. He runs off left side for five. Ty Cooper with the, with the tackle there. And Ty started back-to-back games for Mississippi State. All right, second, five Jackson Dart is complete to Trey Harris. Kind of a quiet night for Trey. Wondered how we'd match up. I thought we actually did a pretty good job in the secondary. But it's right at the stick, so that moves the chains for a first down. First and ten, Dart then incomplete to Judkins. Uh, Decam. Uh, with a nice play there. And second and 10 is complete to Dayton Wade for five. Brings up a third and five. Ty Cooper in the face of Jackson Dart. Forces an errant throw, and it's incomplete. Uh, Frazier Mason with a 42-yard punt. And now State sets up shop at the 16. So already 
you know, the net change here is a negative nine for State, right? You go from starting at the 25-yard line, and after trading punts, we've given up nine yards, kind of that game within the game. Little did we know how much that would factor in. All right, first and ten now, we kind of content here to uh, to kind of run the football and shorten the game. Woody off right side for two. We go back to Woody uh, on the left side, stacked up for a loss. We got whipped on the interior in the first part of this ball game. Makes it a third and nine. We get it to Tulu Griffin. Tulu gets out of bounds uh, right at the stick. Didn't look like it needed a review. Thought it was pretty obvious. But it's first and ten now. We go back to Woody off the left side for three. Take a shot down the field uh, to Xavion Thomas. And Zamari Walton breaks it up for Ole Miss. Makes it a third and seven. We get it to Seth Davis, who we found out earlier. Uh, tore his ACL on this play. We kind of swing it out there to him. And uh, we get beat on a block. And Zamari Walton, uh, a low tackle here. Nothing illegal about it or unethical about it. Uh, goes low. And Seth Davis hit for a five-yard loss. Help from the field. And it does appear that uh, he is going to face some surgery and uh, pretty extensive rehab here in the months to come. Now we get a fourth and 12, and it's a 36-yard punt for Ole Miss. So the net change for Ole Miss is plus 13 already, right? Because the previous drive, they started 27. Now they're already out to the 40. And you kind of felt like this was going to get away from us here. First and 10 from their 40, they run right side with Quinchon Judkins is for six. Incomplete to Judkins, excuse me, complete to Judkins, but we stack it up for a three-yard loss. Nice play here by Buki Watson. On third and seven, it's incomplete, and Buki in the face of Jackson Dart had no choice here but to throw this ball away. They call it short right to Dayton Wade, uh, but there really was not much hope of that uh, pass being completed or a first down being recorded. On fourth and seven, now, all of a sudden, uh, Frazier Mason with a 48-yard punt. And you know, guess what? Now it's inside the MSU 10. So we're playing the field position game and losing. So we go from the 25, of course, and then we go back, and then now we to the 9. So every time they're beginning to flip the field and give us the long end of the field to have to work with, and when you've got an offense that's been as inconsistent as ours, it's very difficult to do that. All right, first and 10 from uh, the 15-yard line here. Excuse me. Yeah, Xavion Thomas returns six yards to the 15. Uh, so first and 10 from the 15, we get it to Harmon for nothing. On second 10, we go back to Antonio Harmon. It's broken up by Cedric Johnson. Makes it a third and 10. Then we're incomplete to Tulu. So another three and out by the Ole Miss defense. 46-yard uh, punt here, better than it has been, but it's 39. Again, the previous drive, they start at the 40. So again, not terrible field position, not plus field position, uh, but, again, only 61 yards to work with here to get into the end zone. Bulldog defense continued to play tough here. Uh, they swing it out to uh, Ulysses Bentley, who's been a great complimentary back to Quinchon Judkins for five yards. On second and five, uh, they get it to Caden uh, Pricecorn or Priestcorn uh, for three yards, and this guy gets no run after the catch. I mean, that, that was a consistent theme throughout the ballgame. When they did get it out to him on a curl or a tight end out, he was immediately cut down. All right, third and two now. Uh, similar situation, right? We start getting some heat. Jackson Dart throws short and incomplete to Lessis Bentley. Uh, Deshaun Page gets in there and makes a play. Fourth and two, it looks like Ole Miss is going to go. They uh, eventually take the delay game penalty and end up punting uh, from the Ole Miss 42. 
Another 43-yard punt. Now it's out of bounds. The old coffin corner at the State 15. It looked like it was going to be a better punt off his foot, but uh, gets out of bounds a little bit earlier than expected. But once again, you know, State in the shadow of its own goalpost, still within our own 20. And so Ole Miss kind of dictating field position terms to us here, but uh, State finally able to string some things together and begin to kind of fight back here. Uh, Jeffrey Pittman runs off right side for five, makes it a second and five, then Pittman off the left side for three, makes it a manageable third and two. Uh, we get it to Jeffrey Pittman, and again, he runs hard and powers ahead and gets the first down. In addition to that, uh, there is a flag down for illegal substitution. We take the flag there. It makes it first and 10 now at the MSU 28. Kevon Lee, a Kevon Lee sighting, and man, what a burst he had. We hand it to him. He runs off the right side for 13 yards, which was, at that point was the biggest gain in the game for either team. First and 10, we go back to Lee for a gain of one. Second and nine, uh, we find Xavion Thomas and uh, should have been a first down. However, however, they flag us for holding. Proves to be a drive killer here. Now, second and 19, we're incomplete to Jaden, makes it a third and 19. We get a Jeff Pittman for five yards, just give us a little more room to punt. And we're finally punting in a little better territory, punting from our 37. Keelan Crimmins with a 42-yarder, and now it's back to the Ole Miss 21. So we've gone from the 40 to 39 to the 21. So now we're beginning to trade some punts, but thanks to the fact that we were able to move the football and get a couple first downs here, we're able to flip the field. 329 to go in the first quarter, Ole Miss – uh, hands it to Ulysses Bentley, nine yards up the middle. And I really like this Bentley kid. I really do. He was hurt last year, but he's, uh, again, been a great complimentary back. Second and one, Bentley off the left side for two to move the chains. On first and ten, he gets six more off the left side to make a very manageable second and four. They decide to take a shot here to Dayton Wade, and Sean Preston breaks it up there. I thought the Bulldogs secondary really held up well last night. A third and four. It's incomplete to Jordan Watkins. And then Ole Miss flagged for holding on top of it. Of course, State declines the penalty to force the punt. And now it's a 42-yard punt. Xavion Thomas elects to return it, and I was okay with it. We're just trying to make something happen here, right? Because all we've done is just kind of had a battle with a punting team that State was losing. And we just go make a play. Ends up being a three-yard loss in the return. Now backed up inside the 20 again. All right, first and 10 now. Final drive of the first quarter. Uh, Rodgers complete to Xavion Thomas for a big chunk play, 26 yards, and at that point, that becomes the biggest gain, ground gainer for either team. First and 10 now at the MSU 43. And you feel like, okay, now that we're out here near midfield, maybe we can make something happen. Pittman goes off right side for nothing, and then back to him on second and 10 for just one. And it gets third and nine. Now, pass is intercepted here. However, we knew it was a free play because Ole Miss jumped, and then we decided to take a shot, and uh, they pick it off. Uh, but it's offsides on uh, Isaac Akui, maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, so now all of a sudden, it's uh, a third and third and four play. And uh, the clock runs out here before we're able to snap it. So the end of the first quarter, it's no score. If you had 0-0 on your bingo card, you have won Bulldog football bingo. All right, third and four, we take a, uh, an opportunity here to kind of make a play. And uh, we're incomplete. Uh, Jared Ivey in Will's face there. We get a 36-yard punt. Like it to be a little bit better. However, it's fair caught by Jordan Watkins at the Ole Miss 15-yard line. So now all of a sudden, again, because State has been able to move the football a little bit, we're forcing them to have to drive into the, the length of the field. 
All right, first and 10 from their 15. They give it to Judkins off the left side for nothing. Uh, Jet and Buki team up on the tackle. Jet Johnson less than 100% last night, too. I understand he was uh, kind of dealing with a little bit of that funk that's going around out here. Uh, but what a game he had. Second and 10. Uh, Dart is complete to Judkins for just four yards, and J.P. Purvis and Buki Watson converge quickly. Third and six. Uh, they get it out to Caden Priestcorn again for six, and right at the sticks. Again, no run after the catch. Uh, but, you know, again, there's no point running a route if you're short of the sticks, right, especially if you're a tight end. First down, that's a big play for Ole Miss because of the fact that uh, three and out there, State's probably going to get favorable position. Uh, first and 10 now from the 25-yard line, and then Judkins kind of gets loose here for 20. And you feel like worst case scenario, or best case scenario, they're going to punt from here and pin us back deep. But that's not what happened. It's not. Uh, give Ole Miss credit here, their first sustained drive of the game. First and 10 now from there, 40. Judkins goes at the middle for two. Back to him at the middle on second and eight for four. Third and four, Dart just kind of gets loose here and uh, takes off very significant penalty here in this ballgame. Very significant. And it was the right call. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but it was the right call. Uh, Jackson Dart runs for six, and Corey Ellington, he, uh, you know, Dart's giving himself up. And Ellington hits him anyway. And so that becomes a 15-yard penalty. Now, it's a six-yard gain. It's going to be a first down anyway, so you never know how this thing is going to play out. However, you gift them 15 yards there in a game that has been uh, very much determined by the punting teams. And now it's first and 10 at our 33. Bentley off the right side for six, second and four. Again off the right side for four for Bentley. Now it's a first and 10. They go back to Billy for third consecutive play. This time, Bookie Watson says, no more. All right, second and 10, they get it out to Priest going for three, three yards. This is a guy I think had 16 catches on the year. Uh, had a few tonight. Uh, third and seven, Judkins up the middle for a one-yard game, makes it a fourth and six. Caden Costa bangs it through to give Ole Miss a 3 nothing lead. The following kickoff is a touchback. So nearly halfway through the second quarter, it is a 3 nothing game. You're one play away from having a lead here. All right, first and 10 from our 25, and uh, we run the little uh, jet sweep action with Xavion. He gets four. Second and six, Kevon off the left side for one. State decides to take a timeout here on third and five. I thought it was a good timeout because of the fact it's such a good play. You get a chance to see the look, and then maybe you can adjust. We elect to uh, uh, to go dial up the passing play and give it to Xavion, and they mark him at four yards, and I thought he was a little bit short. I thought the spot may be a little bit off, but I did think he was short of the line of the game. Fourth and one, we go for it, and we run that uh, end-around play again, and Xavion gets 11. A really nice play there for him. Moves the chains, and again, now we're approaching midfield. First and 10, we give it to Woody off the right side for nothing. On second and 10, it's complete to Justin Robinson for just two. And again, now it's third and eight. Uh Woody runs off right side for three uh, to midfield, and then uh, we take the football play here. I know some people wanted us to go for it. This was the right decision on fourth and five. Keelan Cremins with a 41-yard punt, and it's fair caught at the Ole Miss nine-yard line. And that puts you in a situation where you feel like, hey, if we get a stop here, we ought to get favorable field position, and maybe we can at least get a field goal and tie this thing up at the break. Those are the best laid plans. We didn't execute it as well as we should have. However, it played out pretty much as you would hope. Ole Miss probably running a little four-minute drill here. They get it out to Dayton Wade for nine. 
A second one now from the Ole Miss 18, Judkins up the middle for two. And it always felt like on on third and short or second and short, Judkins was going to move the pile. Uh, First and 10, Dart runs off left side for 10, makes it a first down at the Ole Miss 30. Judkins up the middle for nothing and likes it. Second and 10, uh, they get it out to Judkins, and they did a really good job trying to get him involved in the passing game, but State really rallying to the football uh, every time he got the football out in space. Uh, kind of contained him out there. But uh, four yards on this game. Third and six, they take a shot to date and wait. It's incomplete. And you feel like, hey, mate, you know, Bulldogs secondary, again, kind of hanging in there. Fourth and six, uh, Frazier Mason, a 48-yard punt. It's now fair caught at the 18 uh, by Mississippi State Savion Thomas. Under two minutes to go, and you think, okay, can we put a drive together? Really thought we handled uh, the two-minute drill here pretty well. Uh, we get it out to Xavion for 16. That puts it to State 34. We take a t- shot with Freddie Roberson, and uh, pass is incomplete there. Just couldn't connect there. And uh, second and 10, we get it to Tulu for nothing. Third and 10, we take a timeout here. And uh, one of the biggest plays of the early part of this ball game is that we find Justin Robinson for 23. Really big catch there, and he really fought hard after the catch. 23 yards across midfield, the Ole Miss 43. All right, first and 10, we get it out to Harmon for four. Go back to him on second and six for six. That moves the change. First and 10 at their 33, and you're thinking, hey, we're fixing to put this ball in the end zone. You know, worst case, we get a chance to, you know, to kick a field goal. Uh, we give it to Jeffrey up the middle for five. Second five, we get it out to Jeffrey Pittman for three yards. Uh, would really like a little bit better uh, you play there, but it's part of the deal. Third and two, we decide to run the football. Uh, everybody's kind of booing a little bit, or, you know, kind of anxious. We only get one on the play, and so we you know, the clock gets down to 20 seconds, and we uh, we take a timeout. And then Kyle Ferry attempts a field goal, and it's no good. So, I mean, everything kind of played out the way we had hoped here, other than getting in the end zone. But you get the stop, and you're able to mount a two-minute drive to put yourself in a position to tie it, and you miss the field goal. So it could be 3-3 at the break, but instead – it's 3-0 because uh, Ole Miss is uh, one snap. They give it to Ulysses Bentley, who runs, and then they let the clock run out. You could tell on the Ole Miss side that there was a lot of pressure. I mean, you could just kind of see it coming off the field. They were very unhappy with how they played, but give the Mississippi State Bulldogs a lot of credit uh, for playing well defensively and uh, keeping that offense in the game. All right, second. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. 
So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Half kickoff uh, kicked off to Ole Miss, right? And uh, Nick Barmero, again, what a weapon he's been this year. Touchback again. Ole Miss sets up shop at their 25. They give it to Judkins up the middle, and it really seemed like, hey, we're going to run the football. If you can stop us, you can stop us, but we're going to make you do it. Uh, second and six, Judkins off the left side for three, makes it a third and three. And Jackson Dart rushes for a one-yard gain. Nice play here by Corey Ellington and Boogie Watson. The punt, this time only 30 set, 38 yards. The state sets up just inside their own 30 and puts together a really nice drive here. Uh, Rodgers completes a two-loop for seven, which gives you a second and short at three. They give it to Woody for it's a one-yard gain. Third and two will complete to Woody Marks for four yards, moves the chains. 
Already approaching midfield here. We get it to Tulu for 14. He's across midfield to the Ole Miss 45. First and 10, back to Woody for two up the middle. On second and eight, we hit Xavion Thomas off the left side, and he shakes a couple of guys and pushes ahead for 22 yards to the Ole Miss 21. You feel like, okay, another crack at his field goal. We can at least tie the ball game. Uh, Xavion Thomas then, we decide to run the little trickeration play here. We run a jet sweep, and I believe Ryland Godet was the intended receiver. They had him covered up pretty good. And so Xavion avoids a huge loss here, the only sack of the night. And I think you could actually call it a run for loss, even though he was in this with the passer. He tucked it and took off. Uh, under the Tommy Frazier rules, it's a run for loss. But it's a loss of one. Second 11, though, Woody Marks, the first real big gain of the night, including Trevion Lee had one earlier. But this one, the Bulldog offensive line blew the hole open. Woody hit it wide open for 17 yards. Now it's first and goal at the Ole Miss 5. Will Rogers then pulls and keeps and dives towards the goal line. They rule him short. They reviewed it. It was the right call. The replay we saw in the booth, he was short just inside the one. We go back on second one, and Will's like, you know what? You're not denying me this time. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Will Rogers. It was pretty crazy during that review, man, how the Bulldog uh, players were kind of amping up the crowd there. It just It's pretty – usually when you go under center uh, in the red zone or even behind center, uh, they're asking for quiet on offense. But uh, it was a pretty raucous environment. Extra point is good. State now leads 7-3, and you start thinking, man, if we can get a stop here – with some juice because we had a good drive to end the first half, a good drive to begin the second half. Uh, should have been able to put 10 points on the board. If we get a stop here, maybe we can get a little separation in this game. Another touchback makes it first and 10 at the Ole Miss 25. Judkins runs off the left side for two. They decide to take a shot uh, with Jackson Dart down to Caden Price corn or Priest corn. I apologize to the family. And it's incomplete. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, it's um, that's not a matchup that's favorable for Ole Miss. Uh, third and eight, Jackson Dart gets loose here. And again, one of those plays that really changed the complexity of this game. So Jackson Dart runs up the middle for seven, and he is diving forward, and he's hit by Deshaun Page. They call it targeting, and that was in- initiated by the booth. They didn't call it on the field. Now, Ole Miss may have gone for it here anyway. I don't know. But they call targeting, and there is the um, first down, and uh, Deshaun Page is disqualified. Now, there was helmet-to-helmet contact. There's no question. And uh, it's difficult to judge intent. The argument that I would make is that when a player is diving forward and initiating the contact, that he's not truly defenseless. But again, that's something for the rules committee to decide. By the spirit of the rules, it was targeting. And again, they miss it on the field, but the booth reviews it. Uh, And so again, instead of it being fourth and one, it's a first down. And now it's, um, you know, it's pretty crazy. They end up going for it here and and get going. And uh, Judkins, very, very, very impassioned run here. Ten yards. They go back to Judkins again for 11, and it just felt like the kid was beginning to put Ole Miss on his back. First and 10 now at the 29. Judkins runs off the right side for four, and uh, they flag him for holding. And you can't do that in organized football. Now it's first and 20 from the 39. You're thinking, okay, 
Now we're probably going to hold them to a field goal. That's how it felt. And then Judkins again is like, no, no, guys, we're going to score. 14 yards right up the middle makes it a second and six. So basically he gets all the penalty yardage back, uh, plus four, very manageable second medium. Uh, Trey Harris, a Trey Harris side, and the guy that's been outstanding for Ole Miss, really you know, kind of, you know, not kind of not an impact player at all in this game. Uh, so 13 yards there now, and they went quick there too. So they saw the matchup they wanted and got it out to their guy. Makes it first and ten at our 12. Judkins up the middle for one on second nine. Bentley gets loose and a really good job of perimeter blocking out there for Ole Miss. Kind of gave him the alleyway in which to run between the state defense and the sideline. He gets nine yards, and he's out at the state, too. Now, it's first and goal here, and uh, Judkins get in. I've seen some people say, well, he didn't get in. I, I, I couldn't tell from my vantage point. I haven't gone back to watch a replay. But I'll be honest with you, if he didn't get in here on second one, the way that kid was running that drive, he was getting in then. Uh, extra point is good. Now it's 10-7. We've had more offense on these back-to-back drives from both teams than we had the whole first half. All right, now first and 10 now, State takes over after the touchback at our 25. Needed to go and answer here, or at the very least, flip the field and set up something bigger for later in the quarter. Will Rogers is complete to Xavion for one yard. And that's one of the things that kind of consistently in this ballgame is the Ole Miss defense was winning on first down. State rarely got themselves consistently in a second short or second medium. More times than not, it was second long. Second nine here, Mike Wright rushes for three yards, uh, makes it a third and six, and then Will Rogers runs for five yards. Comes up a yard short. Uh, State elects to punt here, 37-yard punt, and uh, Ole Miss fair catches it at the 29. Uh, Ole Miss goes to work. Bentley off the left side for 11, and you're starting to see these bigger gains, right? You're starting to see – this kind of patchwork Ole Miss offensive line kind of began to shove the Bulldog defensive line around a, a little bit. Uh, so first and 10 here, Bentley off left side for 11. First and 10, uh, short and complete to Trey Harris for nine. Uh, second one, Ulysses Bentley right back out the middle again for three to move the chains. First and 10, Judkins gets nothing. Dart then gets flushed and runs for three, makes it a third and seven, a chance for State to get off the field here. And on the third and seven play, Judkins runs for four off the left side to set up a fourth and three. And that runs out your third quarter. Big, big play in the ballgame here. And Lane Kiffin reacted emotionally here. They had plenty of time to think about it. They draw it up. Really good play execution. Really good play design. On fourth and three, they basically run a sprint out one wide receiver route. Like, as soon as Dart gets it, it's a sprint out right. Watkins is running the out on fourth and three. I think it's a, probably a five-yard out. And uh, give Dart some credit. He throws it where only his guy can catch it, gets him in stride, gets a couple extra yards, moves the chain, and Lane Kiffin runs down there pumping the fist. And um, so don't ever tell me the game doesn't matter. It does. All right, first and ten now. Dart up the middle for six. And then Judkins on second and four up the middle for two. Makes it a third and two. And they get us here. They do. Third and two, we're pinching, we're selling out to stop Judkins. And what do you know, Caden Prescorn slips out behind us on the play-action pass. He's wide open and just strolls into the end zone uh, with no contact with Mississippi State defensive backs. Very good play design. And, again, they just kind of catch you. 
you know, and um, you probably should have been expecting this, but somebody somewhere missed an assignment. Extra point is good. It's 17-7 now, and it felt like this is probably it. And if those that were still in denial, this next drive for State kind of removed most of the doubt. State sets up shop at the 15. The, uh, the kickoff was returned by Tulu Griffin this time. And uh, a little bit kind of stumbled out of there, kind of getting going. But I was okay with it. Let's go try to make a play, you know, because we need to jumpstart the offense, right? All right, first and 10 from our 15. Woody off left side for two. And then Rodgers complete the marks for nothing. And then third and eight, we're incomplete to Freddie Robertson across the middle. It's one of those things that happens, man. Uh, fourth and eight, Keelan Crimmings with a 38-yard punt. And it really felt like we were in, in jeopardy here of losing this ball game. Down two scores with 12 minutes to go and all Miss with ball possession. First and 10 from their 45. And really a chance for them to really put a dagger in state here, but give the Bulldog defense credit for rising to the occasion. Judkins at the middle for three. Then back to Judkins off the right side for seven to move the chains. Makes it first and 10. Incomplete to Trey Harris. They take a shot with Trey Harris. That's also incomplete. Uh, third and 10. And they take a shot to Jordan Watkins. And Sean Preston breaks it up. So, again... You could tell Ole Miss is looking for the dagger here, and the Bulldogs secondary holds up here. Really good job by the secondary all night. Uh, and Trey Harris is a dude. We all know this. But uh, pretty limited in the ballgame. On fourth and ten, uh, Frazier, Mason, punts 37 yards, two to State, eight. So, again, State backed up again. Ole Miss really did a good job in that respect, kind of managing the game uh, with their special teams. First and ten now from our eight. And State puts together a good drive here. Will Rogers is uh, complete to Zavion for 19. So we're already out across uh, the 25 to 27. We get it to Justin Robinson. Nice grab by him. Uh, makes it first and 10 now at our 38. And this is a drive, obviously, where Mississippi State needed to get some points. All right, we're incomplete now. Rogers throws it kind of in a no-man's land. John Saunders in his face. Second and 10. We find Tulu for eight, which makes it a third and short. We give it to Woody, who gets six to move the chains. First and ten now. Complete to Ryan Goaty. First catch of his collegiate career. Nice little corner out there. Will throws it on the money. And, uh, yeah, Bulldogs are moving here. Yeah, we're moving. 18 yards on the game. 30 yards now. First and ten there, 30. Excuse me. We're incomplete to Tulu. Zamari Walton with a PBU there. Makes it second and ten. Woody off the right side for six. Makes it third and four. We get it complete to Zavion. It would have moved the chains. However, they call an offensive pass interference. I did not see anything in, in live action. And then when they showed the replay, I felt even worse about the call. Tula Griffin's running a route. The route, the, the the defensive back with Tulu was not covering Xavier Thomas. It was a bad call. And I'm sure we'll get a letter, you know, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. Kind of like the dry cleaner gives you when uh, they can't get a stain out of your favorite pants. And, uh, you know, we can lie in the bottom of a dumpster somewhere with that. But, um, but nevertheless, it's a drive killer. So instead of it being first and 10 at the Ole Miss 20, it's now third and 19. We're back at the Ole Miss 32. We attempt a 50-yard field goal after uh, Woody runs for seven. And uh, off the foot, 
It looked to me like it was going to be short, and in fact it was off the crossbar. That's two missed field goals on the night in a game when every point and every first down mattered. I mean, you think we convert those two, it's a 17-13 game, and that impacts your play calling. I mean, it does. You make that field goal, make those two field goals, you're down four with 6.28 to play, but the reality of it is you didn't make the play. It's true. You need to get 10 points, you had a chance to get three there. And then, you know, the Bulldogs get a stop here. You know, they're just going to try to run the football here as best they can. Uh, Jackson Dart incomplete to Dayton Wade. On second 10, they give it to Quinchon Judkins, who gets nothing, makes it third and 10. State goes zero coverage and brings heat here. Ellington nearly gets there. Jackson Dart just throws it as far down the field as he can. And the fact that it took so long to discuss this is really an indictment on the officials. We talk about intentional grounding. That's clearly what this was. They finally get together and throw the flag down. So now it's fourth and 19. 47-yard punt. Xavion with a 21-yard return after he cuts it back. So we're across midfield. And again, within striking distance. But you got to get points here. And we don't. First and 10 now incomplete. Antonio Harmon take a bit of a shot there. On second and 10, uh, we're complete to Woody who gets three. And on third and seven, we're incomplete to Rylan Goatee. And on fourth and seven, we go for it, and it's incomplete to Griff. At this point, game's over. It's over. Ole Miss puts together a, uh, a drive that uh, eats up the last uh, four minutes and 47 seconds on the clock. Quinshot Judkins off the right side for a two-yard loss. They go no huddle. Judkins again, no gain. State burns a timeout here. And uh, that makes it uh, third and 12 now with 3.52 to go. Quinshawn Jenkins runs off the right side for 11 yards. A really impressive play here. Makes it fourth and one. They end up burning a timeout and going for it. And J.J. Pegues on the direct snap, three yards. And at this point, it's all academic. Uh, Judkins then runs to the middle for two. We call timeout. Second and eight. Judkins off the left side for five to make it a third and three. State burns another timeout. Try to stop the clock here and keep hope alive. And then Jackson Dart up the middle for the first down. Gets up, has a little something to say about it. Some of our fans didn't like it. That's just part of the game. That's just part of the game. Think no less of Jackson Dart for that. If the shoe was on the other foot, we'd feel the same way. All right, first and 10, and it's a nil down, and then a nil down. And that's your game, 17-7. And, again, I thought our kids played hard. Uh, didn't play well, but we played hard. On defense, we'd really played well. But uh, let's take a look here. Uh, at the numbers, if I had told you beginning of the ball game that uh, State and Ole Miss would be within four yards of total offense, and of course, until that final drive for Ole Miss, State had more. So that final drive, it's crazy. Ole Miss 307 yards of offense, State 303. If I told you that before the game began, you'd say, you know what, State won the game. We did. State with just four penalties for 56 yards, and every one of them was impactful. Every one of them was essentially a drive killer for State. You had the big holding call. You had that bogus OPI. And then you had the two personal fouls that were the right call on Bulldog defenders. But, again, two of those drive extend scoring drives for Ole Miss, and then two offensive penalties kill drives for the Bulldogs. Uh, Ole Miss, six penalties uh, for 30 yards. Uh, the Rebels, 22 first downs on the night. State with 16. 15 of the Rebels' first downs comes on rushing plays. And, again, those two big first downs on penalties. Man, that's just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. 
the Rebels run for 211 yards, State for 96. They passed for 207 and limited Ole Miss to just 96 yards passing. And it wasn't a situation where Ole Miss just took their foot off the gas. This game was, again, very much in doubt deep into the fourth quarter. And again, total offensive numbers, 307 to 303, and Ole Miss ran eight more plays. Many of those late just kind of salting it away. State actually averaged 4.5 yards per offensive snap. It never felt that way, but that's what it was. Both teams punt eight times. Ole Miss averaged 43.1, State with 40.8. Six of Ole Miss's punts inside the 20-yard line. Yeah. Ole Miss kicked it off four times. Three of those were touchbacks. State kicked it off twice. Both of those were touchbacks. Uh, State with three returns for 24 yards, averaging eight yards a return. And we didn't expect to get much in the way of returns. We didn't. Not with the kicking game that Ole Miss has. Ole Miss wins time of possession 31-57 to 28-03. Uh, third down conversions, Ole Miss 4 of 16, State 4 of 16, and Ole Miss 2 of 2 on fourth down, State 1 of 2. Uh, all Both teams perfect in the red zone. Uh, State with one sack for nine yards of Jackson Dart and Ole Miss the one sack, and that came on a Xavion Thomas play. I disagree with the scoring there. We're going to abide by the Tommy Frazier rule. But, uh, yeah, it was not an offensive masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you never know what's going to happen in the Egg Bowl. But, again, the Bulldogs played hard, didn't necessarily play well. Jackson Dart is 14 of 26 for 96 yards. That will certainly hurt the Heisman campaign. Uh, the one touchdown on that play-action pass to the tight end, and again sacked just the one time. Will Rogers, 25 of 39 for 207 yards, a long of 26. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, 28 carries for 119 yards. And uh, again, the one big play was a 20-yarder, but most of these yards came in four- and five-yard bursts. And there were a lot of plays, too, that were you know less than a yard or right at no gain and sometimes a loss. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins had to earn it. Bulldog defense came to play. Ulysses Bentley with 10 carries and 63 yards. Uh, Woody Marks, 12 carries for 39 yards. And uh, the long of 17, similar situation. We just couldn't get any running room on the interior. Uh, Kevon Lee, 3 of 15 with the long of 13. Jeff Pittman, 6 of 15. Need to get more out of Jeff Pittman. We really do. Xavier Thomas, uh, 3 for 14. Will Rogers, 3 for 10. Did you expect that? No, you didn't. Savion Thomas led the Bulldogs with six catches, led all receivers with six catches uh, for 88 yards. Tulu with five for 38. If I told you at the beginning of the ballgame that Xavion and Tulu would have more catches than any old Miss Rebel, again, you'd think we'd won. Caden Priestcorn, or Pricecorn, had four catches for 38 yards and touchdown, of course, at 26 yarder, a backbreaker for State. Trey Harris, three catches for just 27 yards. And uh, the 13 yarder came with that little, you know, that drive where um, they got the real separation, kind of a quick pitch and catch there. But uh, did a good job of limiting him. Jordan Watkins, just one catch for seven. Dayton Wade, two for 14. And, again, before the game, if I said, hey, Trey Harris, Dayton Wade, and Jordan Watkins are going to combine for six catches, you'd think we won this game going away. So great effort by the Bulldog defense. Just couldn't quite get there offensively. Uh, Buki Watson with 21 tackles. Amazing. Jet Johnson with 13, Corey Ellington with 12, DeCam with 9, DeCarlos with 8, Sean also with 8, Deontay Anderson with 8. He's kind of coming to his own this year for the Bulldogs. Uh, Marcus Banks for 5, Nathan Pickering with 5, J.P. Purvis with 5 in his uh, final bull, Bulldog appearance at Davis White Stadium. Ty Cooper in his second consecutive SEC start with 4 tackles in the game. 
Uh, again, the state secondary really held up. Decam with a pass breakup. Sean Preston with two. Deshaun Page with one. Uh, had a handful of quarterback hurries as well. Corey Ellington credited with the sack. Uh, you know, one sack for nine yards. But, uh, you know, State lost his football game, but you can't pin it on the defense. And that's the thing, too. I think kind of the under underappreciated story of the 2023 season for the Bulldogs is uh, really how well we played defensive efficiency. Now, when we've made some mistakes at times, but it's been magnified by the fact that we couldn't score. So more pressure shifts to the defense. But uh, when you look at the numbers, and granted, uh, you know, we're a game ahead of everybody, defensive numbers have actually been pretty good. And there have been some games this, this year, especially that Western Michigan game, LSU game, you look up, you're like, holy smokes, you know. But uh, the regular season is over. And now we await word if we can get an APR ball. Of course, there's still some games uh, to be played. Dave Murray will have a story tomorrow kind of previewing who needs to lose for Mississippi State to be in a position to get a bowl game. I know some of you are against that. That's certainly your opinion. I think our kids deserve an opportunity. I'll have a piece tomorrow with some quotes directly from them uh, about what things uh, they want to see here in the end. All right, time for uh, the top 10 list. It's actually going to be a shorter list today. Brought to you, as always, by CloseWithBlair.com. I actually had a chance to visit Blair and his lovely family today. They were in town to attend a basketball game. How about that? Went to the Egg Bowl last night, basketball game today. A lot of people want your business, but let's keep it in the family as best we can. Visit CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And get to know the services that Blair can offer you when it comes to mortgage lending. A lot of people out there in the mortgage origination business, but Blair's been doing this 22 years. That's the guy that knows how to get things done. Stick with the winners. That's Blair Chandler. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's like, hey, there are so many things in life that you don't know all the ins and outs of. I'm in the same boat. So stick with the winners and depend on the experts, people that know how to assist you getting to the closing table. That's close with Blair at Blair Chandler uh, at 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. Give Blair a call or text today. Uh, Blair's a big guy, too. Just to let you know, Blair is a guy that, uh, I don't know, was he 6'5", something like that. So when an underwriter gets a little bit of an attitude, uh, Blair can handle that for you, too. Yeah, nobody gets mouthy with Blair Chandler, only on Twitter. They don't do it in person. They know better. A lot of people out there, a lot of keyboard cowboys out there with Twitter courage. Uh, I don't know that they would want to tangle with uh, with Blair. All right, today's top ten list is actually going to be six songs. Got a special thing I want to tell you. Uh, signed a ton of books today. And one of the books, uh, a friend of mine that knows a couple of the guys in the band Sleep Theory, he said, hey, can you sign this for Ben and Daniel? And they're half of Sleep Theory. You know, Sleep Theory is one of my favorite new bands. They're out of Memphis. Uh, they're now with Epitaph Records. They're going to be going out doing some dates with Falling in Reverse. Uh, they did some dates with Shinedown earlier. Really beginning to be- get a following. They uh, released their debut EP. Is that just FaceTime Blair by accident? Uh, it's called Paper Hearts. And uh, came out back in September. So it's not even two months old and guys, it's had two number ones already and had three songs. All three of the first singles debuted on the uh, Sirius XM Octane Biggins Countdown. So there are six songs on this album. I'm going to rank 
the six songs in the order that I like them. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, uh, my new book is called When the Bottom Falls. You probably have heard me say it many times. That lyric comes from a sleep theory song. And so when I first decided to do this, I messaged the guys and said, hey, I'm going to do this. You guys inspired the title of this. Thanks for kind of motivating me to get going again. I'm uh, really happy. Of course, now I'm back in the groove. I'm already beginning to do some research on book number seven. And once this coaching search is over, we'll start uh, working on some interviews and doing some research and beginning to get the raw materials together for uh, the biography of Duty Noble. And there, in any Mississippi State person, when I say the next book is a biography of Duty Noble, like, whoa, yeah, yeah. It's a very ambitious project. It's going to require a lot of time and research, but uh, we're going to get it done. And I got to get a lot of this done before college baseball season starts. It's it's easy for me to write on days off, but as far as like driving around, interviewing people and uh, reviewing records, it takes some time away from the office, right? So here we go. Our top six Sleep Theory songs, because there's only been six released. All right, number six for me is... Uh, the last album on the e- the last song on the EP, it's called It's Over. And, uh, of course, it's one of those deals, too. You can um, kind of figure out, you know, where that song is going. It's about the end of a relationship. It's over. And he's okay with it. And that's usually the best way to walk away, right? When you're the one getting broken up with, sometimes it, it may be over, but it doesn't feel like it is. Uh, and you want it to, and you don't want it to be, but... Um, that's number six for me. Number five, the lead song on the EP is Fallout. I dig it. I love the overprocessed sound. And I hate to say it, overprocessed, but it is very much uh, this fusion of sorts, right? It's, it's the overproduced sound that is so in vogue right now. Uh, but Fallout is number five for me. And none of these are bad songs. Don't get me wrong. All right, number four. It's the second song on the EP, and I absolutely love it. I think the song is a hit. I think this is once they uh, release this on Octane, it's another one that'll be on the Biggins Countdown. It's uh, enough. I've had enough, and that could you know equate to a lot of different things. Could be relationships, could be friendships, could be a situation where somebody's just kind of pushing you down. We've all been in that situation, and at some point, you have to decide enough's enough. That's kind of what this song is about. And one of the funny things about this song. If you have a radar detector, the uh, chances are that uh, if you're listening to this song while driving, you may think your radar detector is going off because there is a couple times in there where the same tone is used. I've been riding along there, and all of a sudden that tone comes on, and I start looking around for the police. But uh, I dig it. I think Cohen's vocal is amazing. All right, so let's get to the uh, chart toppers here. Number three. Great track here called uh, Gone or Stayin'. It's got this R&B feel to it. I think Cullen really, really pushes that, especially in the beginning of the song. It starts out kind of like an R&B track, and next thing you know, they hammer it in, right? The rock comes on, and then there is a little bit of a, of a reprise later in the song that kind of goes back to that R&B feel. It's a, it's a great song, and again, you got Cullen as a guy that uh, an incredible singer, has a lot of range, uh, he's not the big screaming guy. They have somebody in the band that does that. They have a guest that does that sort of stuff. But uh, I think Cullen's a guy that has a lot of versatility, which really helps this band establish an identity. But Gone or Stay in number three. Number two, and I know that me and the bride would probably disagree with the order. I know that. And that's okay. She even said recently 
that uh, Numb, which is our number two song, was actually uh, her favorite Sleep Theory song right now. I, I love it too. And, uh, and so, you know, again, it's kind of the end of a relationship. There's a lot of heartache, obviously, in this band. You know, it's Paper Hearts, and there's, you know, it's over. Things are falling out. I've had enough. Are you gone or staying? My heart's become so numb. You know, I, I love it. And uh, number one for me, we've used it a couple times on the show already, is another song about a breakup. It's another way. But the instrumentation on this, I thought it was the perfect debut single for this band. They released this, and it spread like wildfire. I think a lot of it's not just the lyrical content, but it's just the composition of the song. It's really unlike a lot of other songs on modern rock radio these days. I think that's one of the reasons it stands apart. It's got enough commonality to people like, hey, this fits on Octane. But the more you listen to it, the more you're like, hey, this is better than most of the things on Octane. It's number one, it's another way. And of course, the song Another Way inspired the title uh, to When the Bottom Falls, the book that I wrote. I just thought, you know what, I can equate this to recovery because there is no true bottom in recovery. Things can always get worse. No matter, People are like, oh, they hit rock bottom. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And uh, some could say the same for me. And when you, when you read When the Bottom Falls, you'll find out, oh, he hit rock bottom, but wait, he has a shovel. You know, yeah, that's how it worked for me. And uh, unfortunately, I'm alive today, right? Uh, but as I began to listen to this song, and I was coming home from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I probably listened to this song for 100 miles. Like once I knew that I wanted to write this book, I wanted to soak in all the energy I possibly could from this song. I'm one of those kind of people, like if I find a song that puts, a good, puts me in a good space, gives me a good vibe, or inspires me uh, to write or think or whatever, uh, I'll just put a song on repeat and I'll just ride the wave until I feel like that I've soaked all the energy out of that song that I can. Uh, but I still put on another wave from time to time. And uh, I love, 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 love the percussion on this. Absolutely love it. So there you go, top six, top six songs from Sleep Theory off their debut EP. Now, we also have something to share today. This is our first on the show. Um, I don't know if we've ever done this. I'm, I'm confident we haven't. Uh, I know occasionally we've done some shout-outs, but uh, my friend, Robbie Grantham, is a uh, longtime listener of this show. And a true Maroon Bulldog. And uh, Robbie's birthday is coming up on Sunday. And his lovely, lovely, lovely significant other, Bill Clark, reached out to me and said, hey, it would always surprise him if he heard you tell him happy birthday. Now, Robbie, I'm not going to sing for you, but I will wish you a happy birthday. I want to thank you so much for all your support over the years. And I hope that you have a great birthday. Again, Robbie Grantham. Uh, keep it rocking, brother. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I'll be in there to sign books sometime soon, too. That'll be fun. We'll announce that here on the show. We've sold a ton of books over the years at Campus Bookmart. Uh, one of the best retailers when it's come to selling my books, and it stands to reason I've written so much Mississippi State stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you, listen, they carry all six of my books. They have When the Bottom Falls there as well. And so when you're doing your Christmas shopping, maybe consider that, you know, hey, we can get Steve's books there too. Yeah, so add that to your shopping list. And as you're buying Mississippi State merch, you can pick up some books. And again, I remind you, if you've got that smarmy Ole Miss brother-in-law or that Ole Miss co-worker or whatever, that you uh, maybe draw their name in a Secret Santa thing, get them a copy of Flim Flam. Yeah, do it. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. Right? And then, number one, they should read the truth. And i tell you what's funny. I had somebody... 
few years ago that their brother-in-law bought it for him, and the guy sent me a video of him burning Flim Flam. He goes, what do you think about that? I said, I don't care what you do with it after you buy it. You know, it didn't make any difference to me. You bought it. You know, matter of fact, we got a warehouse full. If you want to buy some more and burn it, you know, I don't care if it's kindling or not. You know, the sales all worked away the same way. But uh, yeah, I think you should at least expose yourself to the truth, not live in a state of denial. But uh, you can pick up all my books and some amazing Mississippi State merchandise at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make the town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That's right. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. And that's a thing, too, this time of year with all the Christmas shopping we have to do and so much of it online. When you can get free shipping, it's worth it. And chances are you're going to save a fortune when you do the uh, the Bulldog Burger Company, excuse me, the uh, Campus Bookmark thing because of the fact you're going to find so many great things there. Uh, so, yeah, let's not get crazy. Don't go order a refrigerator or something you know, and expect to get a truck to come bring it to you for free. Uh, but, yeah, it's cool to be able to order a few things for your family and not have to pay uh, for shipping. So we thank Campus Bookmark for providing that discount to our Boneyard listeners, exclusive to the Boneyard listeners. Again, that's BSR for beautiful Steve Robertson. All right, as you hear this, the Mississippi State women are actually playing in the Van Chancellor Classic against Clemson uh, in Katy, Texas. So by the time that you hear this, chances are that game will be over. Uh, the Lady Bulldogs are going to play the next three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Of course, they're out there in Katy. Clemson tonight, Arkansas, Pine Bluff on Saturday, and Tulsa on Sunday. So plenty of chances to see them. Those games will be streamed on ESPN+. If you're in that area, we encourage you to get out and go support the ladies. Currently 5-0 and on the year. 4-0 uh, and at home. And, of course, the, uh, the one big road game at Belmont, a team that we do expect to make the tournament uh, really good scheduling you know, for Sam Purcell. And you go into a very difficult place that uh, some teams have gone to go get ambushed. Uh, so that's good. And so, again, a lot of uh, women's action this weekend. Earlier today, the Mississippi State men advanced their record 6-0. Yeah, 6-0. and And uh, I, I think we would probably all agree right now we're probably in a position that we should be able to sweep through the rest of the non-conference. I really think the most difficult part – of the non-conference schedule is behind us. And we need you in Humphrey Coliseum as often as you can get there. Yeah, we absolutely do. Uh, you know, it's time to make the hump roar again. You know, we've talked about that for so long, and I'm not going to guilt anybody into coming. I'm not going to sit here and make you feel bad uh, because you can't make it. But, um, guys, this program is worthy of your attention. It absolutely is. And uh, we have so many great fans that turn out, and uh, they're a big part of things. Uh, but let me remind you guys, too, those of you that have kind of like, you know, kind of taken this and made it your own through the lean years, uh, don't be upset. Don't be the hipster. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want all these people. I want to keep this to myself. No, you can't do that and then also complain about attendance. And and there's it's an interesting dynamic, to say the least. But um, Bulldogs pick up a 74-61 win tonight. Again, to advance their record of 6-0. and uh, kind of looking at it here, Bulldogs up by 12 at the break, 36-24, and then win the second half by a point, 38-37. Nichols drops to 3-4 and four, uh, in the regular season. Uh, let's kind of look inside and see how your Bulldogs did. Uh, attendance really nice today, 7,571. 
Uh, so thank all of you that kind of hung around and said, you know what, we'll make a weekend out of it. Uh, Cam Matthews, 25 minutes but 12 points today. How about that? And an emphatic heave on a really nice alley-oop play. I mean, it's like, have mercy. Guys, Jimmy Bell, I mean, it's almost like this guy has been reborn in Starkville. I mean, it's, it's amazing. He only goes 18 minutes today and still puts up a double-double. 11 points, 10 rebounds. And those are split between five on the offensive end and five on the defensive end. That's a big wide-body guy. When he gets position, you're not going to be able to do anything with it. And just two personal fouls. And because of the fact we got some separation in the game, we're able to play a lot of people. But, again, a nice game for Jimmy Bell. And I think we all would agree, when you found out Tolu was hurt, and I saw all the panic on social media, and I felt it in my, in my heart too. So what are we going to do? Jimmy Bell has stepped up and said, you know what, guys, you just come with me, right? And now you begin to think about what we can be when Tolu comes back. And, again, it puts you in a great position not to have to rush Tolu back because it's not like you're losing games that you should lose. We had not lost any. Playing exceptionally well. And Jimmy Bell, with all these minutes, kind of getting in the flow of this offense because you know what an athlete Tolu is, really bodes well for the Bulldogs down the stretch. Jimmy Bell Jr. is the story of the Bulldogs season right now. Right now. I think we'd all agree with that. Uh, DJ Jeffries, eight points today in 25 minutes of action. Three of six from the floor, two of four beyond the arc. Uh, four rebounds for him. And DJ is a guy that's willing to get up there and clean the glass when he has to. Three assists, a couple turnovers. Uh, Rams Davis, 23 minutes of action. Just two of eight from the floor. One of those a three-pointer in three attempts. A couple rebounds, just five points for him. Trey Ford, remember, he was the big hero uh, against Arizona State. Just three points today. He's one of seven from the floor. Of course, the one he connects on is a three-pointer. But he did help out a lot on the glass, pulling down seven rebounds, four of those on the offensive end. And uh, a couple personal fouls for him. But, uh, he, you know, the scoring's got to be there. But just 14 minutes of action, too. Again, played a lot of people. Josh Hubbard, again, again, leading us in scoring. 21 minutes, 15 points, four of nine from the field. And uh, a lot of that's inside the arc, guys. Six of seven, too, from the free throw line. Uh, pulled down four rebounds. Keyshawn Murphy, 11. Uh, 11 minutes for him. Good to see him out there making some things happen. Six points. Uh, Guy Shaw, 15 minutes of action, too. Uh, five, five points for him. Any contribution we get from a young guy like that in the post uh, is very important. Jaquan Scott, eight minutes of action, also four points. Uh, Sean Jones also got in the scoring column, as did Adrian. Excuse, Adrian Myers got in the book but did not score. Uh, did attempt a shot from the field. Isaac Stansberry gets in for the final minute of the game. Uh, Bulldogs, as a team, shot 42.6% uh, on the day and held Nichols State to 38.9%. Uh, Nichols, 30% from beyond the arc. State, 217 Not one of our better perimeter games. In the second half, State did not connect on a three-pointer. 0 of 8. All five makes come uh, in the first half. And when you're trying to put people away, you've got to be able to hit from the outside. And you're going to have some games like this, right? That was the perimeter game really got us going against Northwestern. Uh, State, 63% from the line. That's got to get better. Uh, Nichols, uh, 65. So we're happy to get it in the books and happy to get some playing time for everybody else. You look ahead now, Bulldogs will next be in action on Tuesday in Atlanta, Georgia, in the ACC SEC Challenge. If you have not bought your tickets and you live in the greater Atlanta area, go ahead and let your boss know we're going to leave early on Tuesday. Tip-off at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. Bulldogs will be back in Humphrey Coliseum on December 3rd. It's a Sunday. So 
uh, be mindful of that. And uh, again, Georgia Tech in that ACC challenge, another Power Five opponent in the non-conference. And how many times have we seen it in the past, right? We play, you know, William and Mary, and only Bill and Mary show up. And there's a lot to this, but uh, I think some pretty smart scheduling because you're getting Power Five opponents, sometimes on a neutral floor, sometimes in their own arena, and we just need those teams to help us in the net. Yeah, that's a big part of it. This Georgia Tech team uh, got off to a good start. I don't know if you've kept up, but they're – they're 2-2. Two two. They win their exhibition, 91-75. Then they get Georgia Southern, 84-62. And then find themselves in a bit of a uh, you know, a shootout with Howard, the Howard Bison. They win 88-85. And then they lose to UMass Lowell, 74-71. And then they go to Cincinnati and get absolutely embarrassed, 89-54. So this is a game, even though it's in Atlanta, we expect to win. It's a game that we should win. And uh, a game that we look at and say, you know what? It's a power five opponent. Uh, they've got dudes just like we do, and hopefully they can win some games in our conference and help us a little bit. But, uh, yeah, losing to UMass Lowell doesn't do much uh, for your net, for sure. But, uh, again, excited about the direction of Mississippi State basketball. I think everybody should be. And the fact, too, that uh, you lose your best player, but yet you remain undefeated. And I won't say it's a, it's a particularly challenging non-conference schedule, yeah, because but when you go again, you go look at this, guys. By the time we play Georgia Tech, we'll have played four Power Five opponents. That's pretty impressive. It is smart scheduling, but also too, when you start thinking about hopefully these teams can have good non-conference schedules and maybe get around five hundred themselves and at least be NIT teams. We'll be dependent on these teams later to win. I mean, how many times have you seen us have four Power Five opponents? And the non-conference. It's crazy. And then we're going to get Rutgers a little bit later. You know, it's just it's one of those things you look at and you say, you know what? I think this Christian's guy knows what he's doing. But then you lose your best player, and then you have people around them step up. And you coach that into them and coach it out of them, and you expect it. And uh, it's been a great, great run. And, again, I don't even think the fun has begun yet. So, again, make your plans to – to attend a bowl game, ball game at Humphrey Coliseum. For those of you that are road dogs that live outside of the greater Starkville area, uh, when the Bulldogs come to your neck of the woods, we ask you to please turn out and, uh, and support them. All right, final segment of the show is uh, brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse and book through the Evolve website with promo code BSR10. Saves you 10% off your stay. You can book through other mediums, but the, the, the promo code doesn't work. I had a chance to go tour the Stark Vegas Clubhouse on Wednesday. Guys, it's better than I thought, right? We talked about the little wet bar. It's like a full-service bar. It's like what was in the clubhouse before. And uh, it's nice. It's very well-equipped. The kitchen, outstanding. Uh, you got five bedrooms in there. You had the master bedroom downstairs. That's a king-size bedroom. And then upstairs, you got four. Um, and so that's the one thing you begin to think about, Right? So, like, if you're mom and dad and you just want to be able to kind of chill and relax and have a good time and the kids can be upstairs and be silly, uh, they can do that upstairs and you can have a little privacy downstairs. But it's uh, it's an incredible, incredible property. And the fire pit area out there, absolutely fabulous. And uh, they got some wood cut for you. You can get out there and sit around the fire. That's been uh, – it'd be a nice amenity these days, right? I don't know about you guys, but uh, 
I like this time of weather, this time of year, the weather. I like being able to sit out by the fire and just kind of chill and relax and take in the stars and just kind of enjoy the company of friends or family. It's wonderful. Uh, and it's so great, too, to think about you can have everybody under one roof. Everybody under one roof. Yeah, you can go get a hotel room and everybody be, you know, sleeping on top of each other. Or maybe get three or four or five hotel rooms. I don't know how big your family is. Or you can save some money and have a much better property by going to Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Check it out. I'm telling you, we're going to do it ourselves. Uh, the next time all of our kids come to town, rather than, you know, this person staying here, we're just going to rent that place and uh, we're going to stay there with our kids. And we might stay up really late and play, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we'll play. Maybe we'll play catchphrase or something. Yeah, I'm a legendary catchphrase player within my family group. Uh, but again, it's Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Book through the Evolve website. Use promo code BSR10. All right. A lot of discussion about the Mississippi State coaching search. Uh, a lot of people are suggesting Jeff Levy has emerged as the leading candidate. I'm not ready to fully endorse that, but the tea leaves tend to suggest that he is a finalist. He, of course, interviewed with Mississippi State Wednesday evening in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, there is some discussion about uh, what may be next. I'll tell you what I've heard, and things can always change, right? I understand that they're still expected to speak to John Sumrall today or this evening. It may have already happened. Saturday, of course, is game day, and you've got a lot of the coaches that we're pursuing that are playing on Saturday. But the ones that aren't, maybe you could meet with them on Saturday. Uh, and then there's Barry Odom, of course. They play Saturday, and I understand that he didn't want to get together and meet until after the regular season was over. Uh, they got a big ball game against San Jose State. Could be a very special season for them. They win. It's 10 wins. Yeah, how cool is that? We laid, we laid that out earlier in the week. You know, they win this one in the ball game. UNLV's got the, the best – tied for the best season in school history, dating back to 1994. It does appear that Willie Fritz may be fading. You know, it was a guy that – that was the hot name behind the scenes the first week of the search. Every agent that I talked to said, hey, Willie Fritz makes sense. I understand Willie is interested. And then as this thing has evolved, all of a sudden we find out that it appears Houston and Dana Holgerson are about to part ways uh, with Coug football. And Willie Fritz, daughter Lanny Fritz, who has kind of been a uh, viral sensation on social media at times, uh, lives in Houston. And I understand that's part of the allure as it would be for any of us in many respects. And people would say, oh, well, why would he pick Houston over Mississippi State? Well, his daughter lives there. Yeah, she's got a career there and doing well, right? She was a former uh, TV broadcaster. So she has some acclaim. But also, too, of note that um, there are a lot of names out there. Like I've heard of people keep asking about Mike Elko, Mike Elko, Mike Elko. And uh, a lot of times I think this stuff kind of gets regurgitated back to me. Now, we were able to confirm that Mississippi State did speak to Mike Elko. Don't know that it was in person, but we do know it was contact. And that's all we've been able to produce so far. But I've had people even as late as today, while I'm recording this show, say, hey, I'm hearing that it's either Elko or Levy. What are you hearing? And I'm like, well, I know they're still going to talk to John Summerall again, and I'm expecting them to talk to Barry Odom in person. They've had some contact with him over the phone. Uh, and we'll see how things kind of go from there. But it does appear right now that the, the hot money is on Jeff Levy. Now, I've talked to a few people uh, connected to Jeff Levy that tell me the first phone call that he'll make is to Randy Clements. They call him Clem. 
who's the offensive line coach at North Carolina. He could be the offensive line coach. He could be the run game coordinator. He could be your offensive coordinator. But this is listen, if Jeff Levy comes, it's going to be his offense. You know, he'll be the one calling the plays. It'll be similar to what Dan Mullen and those guys do, Mike Leach. It'll be a lot of that. Offensive-minded coach, uh, they typically don't want to turn the reins over. But uh, Clem is a guy that – those as, as people in the coaching industry will say, Clem and Jeff are boys. And so uh, there was an opportunity last year, of course, when um, you know, Mississippi State was kind of trending towards hiring Kendall Browse that Clem may be on the move. Uh, Levy, of course, uh, makes the move from Oxford after uh, Randy Clements leaves Oxford himself and then is up there with Mac Brown. Uh, also, I've heard J.R. Sandling, a guy that uh, spent some time at Alabama and Jacksonville State. Uh, maybe part of staff, too. You know, we'll see You know what happens. Could be a tight ends coach, could be an off-the-field staffer. And there's all this discussion, too, about what would Oklahoma do? What if they end up in the Big 12 championship? You know, things have got to fall the right way for them. Uh, but they can run their offense. I'm told that Matt Wells is a guy that um, could do it. Matt Wells also in the mix of San Diego State to be a head coach. And then there's also Seth Luttrell, who's been a QC analyst off the field, you know, former head coach at uh, North Texas. And so they have some options there at Oklahoma. You know, they, they can navigate through this because, you know, we're going to need Jeff to come on, right? I mean, that's – I don't know what the, the understanding will be. Of course, I know Zach Selman won't want to – you know, Bernie Bridges with Oklahoma, not that he would, but, uh, you know – we can't worry about what Oklahoma needs and wants. This is what we need and want. We have to get a staff together immediately. I do think if Levy does get the job, there is a chance that some of your current coaches can stay. I do think many of your off-the-field staffers will stay. I do think there will be some changes in some other departments, but I think on the recruiting side of things, it would behoove them, whoever comes in, uh, to keep you know Rod Gibson and some of those guys, uh, Kyle and Reggie. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and if nothing else, give them a year to prove themselves. I mean, these are guys that have, especially Rod Gibson, it's an institution here at Mississippi State. He is. And uh, he's done a good job for us. So we'll see how things play out. But I would caution you at this point. As of 7 p.m. tonight, Friday night, November 24th, I'm told it's not done just yet. Just yet. There is a procedure to this, too. You know, it's like uh, Zach Selman goes out, and then delivers the preferred candidate to Marquinhos. Of course, the university will do their background checks and due diligence. That is not an overnight procedure, right? Now, you would think, of course, uh, you probably already done some preliminary work, do your own due diligence, you know. So it's not some, you know, okay, we're just going to sit a guy here and kind of wait for it to get through underwriting, you know. Um, but, yeah, there is a procedure there. And so you present your candidate, and, uh, of course, it's the first big hire for Zach Selman. One of the things that we talked about on the show is we, we felt like it'd be somebody they knew and trusted. Uh, but if it is Jeff Levy, it's a bit of a departure from the line of thinking about it was good would be a sitting head coach. That was the big talk in the beginning, is that it would be a sitting head coach. And uh, one of the things I think is important for you guys to understand, I talk to a lot of people and have the phone records to prove it. One of the things about our job that uh, I've heard that uh, stings a little bit, but it's true right? It's like Joe Moorhead got two years. And immediately people say, well, Steve, that was John Cohen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mississippi State Administration approved the termination of Joe Moorhead after two years, after initially deciding to keep him after the Egg Bowl. And then, of course, things went awry. I'm not defending anything that happened. 
But Joe got two years. Mike Leach comes in. And uh, in year three, we had many of our people ready to fire Mike Leach because we lost the egg, lost the Liberty Bowl. We were flat at Liberty Bowl, even though we had all these injuries and COVID problems, whatever. But Mike turns it around, and uh, we have a 9-4 record. And then Zach Arnett doesn't get a full year. And so fair or unfair, there are some people that have that opinion of Mississippi State that, hey, what if I go down there and have a bad year? They're going to fire me too the first time I have a bad year? I mean, Zach Arnett, they didn't get a year. And so if I go in there, you know, what are the expectations at Mississippi State? How will this administration treat me? What if I move my family down there and it takes me a year to get my people in place, kind of settle the roster a little bit, and uh, then by year two, you know, what if, you know, what if we're seven and five? You know, what if we're six and six? What if we have a major injury? And as I've had multiple people say, you know, this, you know, Arnett, when you look at his challenges this year, I mean, losing Will Rogers, losing Woody March, losing uh, Trevion Williams and Calvin Dinkins, you know, they've had a ton of injuries on that team. And he doesn't even get the full year. And so I say that not to assign blame or, or cast any aspersions at anybody, but for some people in the college coaching profession, that's their opinion of Mississippi State. You're like kind of like, well, who does Mississippi State think they are? You can't give a, a coach an opportunity. And as one person pointed out, you know, Joe Moorhead went in there in 18 and ended up in the Outback Bowl. And I thought we were very underprepared for the bowl game. I'll just say it. And then the next year, you know, they're, they're struggling. They have some issues, of course. And, uh, you know, changing over with quarterbacks, had to play a freshman quarterback and still found a way to get bowl eligible. And then, again, we weren't prepared for the bowl game. It's like the longer – if you remember correctly, I think Joe was like um, Ofer. And when he had an off week or multiple weeks to prepare for an opponent outside of the season opener. But they're like, you know, hey, you know, Joe won the Egg Bowl in back-to-back years and had you guys in a bowl game, and he still got fired. And, yes, there may be some extenuating circumstances behind that. Of course, it's not a good look when, you know, you got two of your star players fighting and one of those guys ends up uh, being um, unable to play in the bowl game. It's a big part of things, too. And then you, you, you can try to explain it away, as we do, because we're around it all the time, right? We lived it. You know, Mike Leach passed away. We had people trying to poach our roster. We're trying to get a class to bed, trying to get our coaches some level of security for at least another year. Well, we thought, and we decided to retool the offense, which will go down as one of the best worst mistakes of the era. And there was a lot of discussion that, you know, we had told Arnett we'd be patient with it. We knew there'd be a learning curve, and then um, the other product on the field was uh, despicable at times. And so I'm not telling you anything you don't know other than the fact, too, that a lot of people think, hey, it's an SEC job. We can write a big check. If you're an up-and-coming coach and you see this and you see, hey, listen, I don't know all the details behind it. All I know is that Joe got two years and Zach got one. What if I go over there and I get two? I've uprooted my family and sold our dream home. Uh, to go get some SEC millions, and I get fired from this job, what does that do to the trajectory of my career? You know, what does it do? You know, There are a lot of people out there that are very ambitious, and there are a lot of people out there among the agent worlds and the, the agent's world that would advise people not to take our job. 
And that's the truth of the matter. There are a lot of people out there that says, you know what, I think you can do better. And that's the reality of where we sit. You know, we have really kind of been adrift in, in many respects since Dan Mullen left. You know, that 2018 team, we had top defense in the country. Should have been able to parlay that into a New Year's Six Bowl game, but we could not get the offense off the ground. The next year, we go out and get Tommy Stevens, and okay, now things are good. Tommy gets hurt, and we end up having to be forced to play a freshman quarterback. Took a missed extra point to get bowl eligible. And then we bring in Leach, you know, and we had the COVID year, and uh, everybody had the COVID year, but, um, you know, at least it was – Somewhat entertaining at times, but uh, you know, other than that game against uh, you know Vanderbilt, Missouri, there was not a lot to feel good about that year. We win the bowl game, the Armed Forces Bowl. Woody Marks had a good game out there, and we finally kind of got going a little bit. You know, of course, we had KJ Costello in here that uh, you know lit up LSU, and then we, it's like we couldn't win again. And then finally, next year, Will kind of gets it going, and we you know we we didn't win the egg. We thought we should have, but uh, even though Ole Miss was a better team than us in twenty twenty one. We had our chances. We dropped three three touchdown passes in that game, and we lose. And then finally, we you know we break some offensive records. But let's be honest: even in the best year under Leach, we couldn't do it against elite defenses. We couldn't really stress elite defenses. We could get our contemporaries, but not the, the upper echelon of the conference. And so we haven't had a real cohesive offensive system for a while. And listen, I love Mike Leach too. Don't get, don't get me wrong; I'm not in any way. Uh, casting shots at my friend. I'm just kind of laying it out here for you. And so that's one of the reasons I think we need an offensive-minded coach, and Leach certainly was, and Joe was supposed to be as well. But, um, you know, we saw with Zach Arnett, defensive coaches tend to coach very conservatively on offense because you want to save the defense. Well, we need to go score. The the college game has changed. we got to go put points on the board. And so we do think that we'll have an announcement early next week I don't think anything happens this week. There will probably be some leaks maybe, and there's already been some today. But I'm going to caution you not to get crazy with that because of the fact if it was over, we wouldn't still be speaking to other candidates. Now, yes, you have to continue to keep people involved uh, as, part of, as part of your negotiations. But with at least Barry Odom playing Saturday – and I understand he didn't want to talk until the regular season ended in person. Uh, that's probably going to take place on Sunday. And then maybe you take Monday and you make your decision and perhaps we uh, make an announcement and then, you know, present a coach on Tuesday. But I don't think anything happens before the first of the week. Now, you know, I may log off from the show and all of a sudden things are going crazy. I don't expect that to be the case. Uh, but my point being is that we're winding down. And I think the important thing now is that we need to get behind our administration and our new coaching staff. Uh, the regular season is over. We may still have an opportunity to get to an APR bowl, and I'm just, you know, that's still a possibility. And I'm going to go to the bowl game, and I hope you do too to support these young men. And there are other people like, you know what, Steve, I just want to get this over. Let's get to work recruiting, uh, you know, because uh, in-home visits get started here very, very quickly. So we need to have some boots on the ground. Uh, but the reality of it is, is this thing is beginning to wind down. And a lot of people say, I, I know who the coach is going to be. Uh, I think the only person that knows for sure who the coach is going to be is uh, Zach Selman and maybe his uh, inner circle. And uh, I know that their comments about the search are going to be very guarded. And so we finally have an announcement. 
And so I just caution you, even though this Jeff Levy smoke is out there, I don't think it's smoke. I think it definitely there's some fire to it. But again, we're not across the finish line yet. And so let's just give it a little time. Let Zach Selman and his staff continue to work. And then we'll see what happens. But uh, no matter who it is, we're going to support them, right? I know, that, And that's what always happens. There's always a little bit angst because we get set up in camps and things like that, and people are like, oh, well, yeah, this is who I wanted. That's not who I wanted. Listen, we're all Bulldogs, like I talked about in the first segment. You know, we got a new coach coming in. we got to get all the horses pulling in the same direction. That's on the NIL front. That's on the wearing the merch front. That's buying the season tickets. You know, we need to all be behind this coach – and show them what they're coming into. You know, again, give Zach Selman something to sell. I think it's an important aspect of every bit of this because it's our program. Let's just be honest about this. University presidents, and even though Dr. Keenum is a bulldog through and through, university presidents come and go. And Doc's been here a long time. Athletic directors come and go. I mean, you just look, you know, in the last decade, you, know, you had Scott Strickland, John Cohen, and now Zach Selman. Coaches come and go. We were on our third coach and about to be our fourth coach in 13 months. But it's about us. It's our program. And we need to take ownership of that. Now, that doesn't mean we need to go out and meddle on a coaching search, go speak on behalf of the university and say, hey, I can get you this, I can get you that. Uh, sometimes, you know, being the true fan means staying out of the way. You know, just doing what you're supposed to do, you know, and not meddling in things. There's, you know, that happens not as much at our schools as at us some others. But I think it's important to understand that. So we'll have full coverage of everything over at jeanspage.com. Again, 75% off the annual subscription rate right now. Uh, be sure and uh, come take advantage of that. And jeanspage.com is bigger and better than ever. We've never had a higher number of subscribers. We've never had more uh, monthly uh, page views and sessions. Uh, things are going exceptionally well. And uh, I appreciate your support uh, through a very difficult season for us. And uh, you know, the best thing for business sometimes is a coaching change because you guys love Mississippi State. And so we, we hope that you'll stay with us as we uh, navigate through the rest of this thing. We're going to give you unprecedented coverage and everything. Uh, but that's it for today. And, I, I, and somebody asked me the other day, I said, Steve, you always mention it, and I didn't mention the other day, they wanted to buy their kid a Stark Villains hoodie, a Stark Villain hoodie. Had some people wear Stark Villain gear to the book signing day, which is amazing. But you go to StarkVillains.com, and you can get your T-shirts and hoodies there. No man thongs yet, or female thongs for that matter, or whatever you thong wearers want. We don't have a Stark Villain thong. Uh, maybe we should. But, uh, yeah, you can get your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. That's it for today, man. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Love your family. And uh, forgive, forgive, forgive. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>